I was, that's that was oh. the point I was making. Because I have, I was agreeing with you and then adding to it. Oh wow, wow! Sorry, it's I'm called just, a conversation. I'm, I'm unaccustomed to this in the context of this podcast. I have no choice today. I don't have someone else here to talk while I sit here and listen and occasionally chime in. Yes, this is this is going to be exciting. You, uh, uh, well, first off, I'll just say welcome to the Song Topsy Report, everyone, where smooth, we dissect smooth transition. Thank once again. you, thank you. I'm, it's what I'm known for. Uh, where we dissect bad music to figure out how it died. I'm your host, Nick Brigadier. And I'm Steve Trollinger. Ha! I got to say the and this time. Yes, uh, Mike Russell is not feeling well and unfortunately was not able to make He's it. He's a today. victim of his own decadent lifestyle, Nick. He kind of is. Uh, Mike Russell gave us a summary of his past three days and... Uh, That's what happens when you live fast. And you drive yourself too hard. This is what happens. He is living his life to the fullest extent and is paying a penalty for it. Yeah. But I'll uh, never pay that penalty because I don't go outside. I don't do anything. I don't go outside and do stuff and talk to people. <laughs> you will live a long and empty life. Empty life. I was. We were talking about that when he was texting us last night about his potential not being able to be here. And we were saying, or I was saying to you... You know, he, because you read to me all the stuff that he wrote, and I, I, my initial reaction to it was just, gosh, you know, I am jealous, but also not. Like, I, I am envious of people that can have all of, all, like, the, the amount of things he did in the span of three or four days. Oh, yeah, he went to a Garth Brooks concert, he went out drinking with friends, he slept for, like, an hour and a half, and then went to work, and then, like, did the exact same thing the next day. Yeah, like, he's, he's living, in the truest sense of the word. And I'm jealous of his ability to do that, but I also don't want to do that. Mm. So it's this weird damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. I'm like, well, I could do that, but then I'd hate that too. So I guess I'll just stay inside and play a video game. You envy a lifestyle that is not for you. Exactly. Gotcha. Like one time, maybe I want to try it just to see what I'm missing. And then I'll never have to do it again. (laughs) You have no idea how much I would pay to just have Mike Russell take you out on the town for a whole night, just you two guys. No, don't get me wrong. I don't want him to be the one to lead me. No, on he has adventure. to be. No, no, no. He no, has no. to be. But listen, in a weird way, I mean, obviously, uh, I'm very much going to miss Mike's input on this episode. But the, the subject of today's episode is uh, something that you're relatively familiar with, and that it is about Star Wars. And prior to this recording, Stephen Trollinger spent literally, I would say, 15 continuous whole minutes discussing hyperdrive technology to me which by the way isn't real it's not a real thing it's fictional it's science fiction yet steven knew the ins and outs i didn't know there were different classes of hyperdrive within the context of the star wars universe but steven uh how do you live with such an empty empty head nick i don't understand how you live without knowing things you don't need to know Politics, current events, literature references, none of that. Hyperdrive technology. No, my problem is I have all that stuff in there, too. I'm an insane person who can't stop his brain from absorbing information. Oh, you poor thing. I know. It's a a sad, sad life. Uh, but no, the uh, it's not necessarily a song we're discussing today. We're going to be discussing a little bit of an album, which uh, 
I had never heard of up until very, very recently. Because I mentioned to Steve, I asked him if he knew of this. I said, are you aware of the Christmas Star Wars album? And Steve thought I was referring to the holiday special, which also what? doesn't, yes, which also doesn't exist. The what? I don't understand what, what you're saying. What is the ho- that? The ho- holiday special? I've never heard of this. What is well, this? Uh, Life Day, celebrated is, by Wookiees. This is, a, this is a thing that never existed, right? That never existed? You just made it up on the spot? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I just made, it definitely did not come out uh, okay, in 1978. A, let, us, let us never speak of this thing that doesn't exist. Yeah, so Steve thought I was referring to this thing that doesn't exist, but uh, that is not the case. Uh, in 1980, they made an official, like a licensed George Lucas-approved Star Wars Christmas album called Christmas in the Stars. And this is unique for a variety of reasons. Uh, first and foremost, this, is, this album also included the first ever vocal performance by a young 18-year-old John Bon Jovi. Master of Jersey. <laughs> or as he was known in this album, John Bongiovi. Bongiovi. His original his his God given Christian. Which name. I didn't know either. You you thought his name was John Bon Jovi? You know Bon isn't a word, right? It's it not always felt it's like, not like Von where it's a German where it's a, like in another language and it means like of or yeah. from. It's not a it's just Bon. But it did always sound like a greeting in another language. And a Bon Jovi to you. Well, bon Jovi I mean, to you too, sir. I mean it is it is a bastardization of the Italian word buon, as in, like, good. Oddly enough, I've never considered the origins of the name of John Bon Jovi. I don't know why. It's a thing I should have <laughs> That's not another thing that's worked its way into I your mean, it's sponge-like in there now. brain of... I never considered it. Like, you can't just think of things out of nowhere and then absorb it all. You have to have someone bring it up, and now it's a thing I'll never forget. Well, I'm very sorry for that, Steve. You I'm sorry be. to burden you with more knowledge. You should be. Um, but no, so the album is called Christmas in the Stars. It came out in 1980, and we actually lo- tried to narrow down on the official timeline when this album came out in relation to the movies. It technically came out a few months after The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, Empire Strikes Back came out in May of 1980. This came out in November. Uh, but I, after listening to some of the songs, I, I maintain that it was close enough to that to that movie that it obviously had no like input or not like George Lucas wasn't like, Oh, Oh, Hey, you're doing that Christmas album, right? Okay. Here's some notes about what's happening in the star Wars universe that I've, I've conceived of. So make sure that you include that in your, uh, in your writing for those, uh, for the songs on this album. It, that didn't happen. No. Uh, no, George it, Lucas was not concerned no. with the um, integrity of the... Uh, of the Star Wars canon. Yes. Vis-a-vis Christmas and the Stars. It's I consider it still in that, that area between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back where they didn't know what the hell Star Wars was. Like, Star Wars came out, and then it was a big thing, and no one expected it. And then they spent a couple years in between A New Hope and Empire just throwing shit at the wall to think, figure out, what the hell is this? How can we exploit it? Yes, because you, 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 need, two, you need two points to make a straight line. At, at, at the time this album came out, there was really just the one Star Wars movie. Yeah. Um, We're so used to Star Wars, the massive entity of, of built up, over 30 or 40 years of canon and non-canon and all this expanded universe stuff. Yeah. We're so used to being it, it, it being this monolith that we don't remember a time when there was one movie and everyone was like, okay, what the hell was that about? Yes. So this album, if it is indeed uh, canonical with the Star Wars universe, has some very shocking implications, which we'll get into a little bit later. But uh, I just want to play a little clip 
of the first song, the title track from the album. It's called Christmas in the Stars. Uh, just so you can get a sense of what this sounds like and the voice talent that they were actually able to get for this album. Christmas in the stars, Christmas in the stars. What a merry Christmas this will be. Christmas in the stars, out among the stars, lighting up a Christmas tree. Come on, everyone, and sing. So just that raises, well, of course, to me, the biggest overriding That had absolutely nothing to do with Star Wars. Anything we just had listened to, there was no Star Wars. It just sounded like a Christmas song. Well, wait until you get into What Can You Get a Wookiee for Christmas when he Uh, already has a comb. I know. This album has something of an interesting uh, history. Because as we've already said, it came out in 1980. Most of the songs on this album were written by someone named Maury Yeston, and he was a Yale University music professor. And he actually went on to write the music for very well-known Broadway musicals such as uh, Nine and apparently uh, Broadway version of Titanic. And then there was another yeah, one. Yeah, he, he and um, I can't, uh, Cop- Copit, I think. Um, I don't remember his first name. But uh, the two of them uh, uh, also created a... a the, it basically, what I, what's called the other Phantom of the Opera musical... It's uh, they there's the Andrew Lloyd Webber version that it's obviously every you know, everyone knows it's super famous, but they they also crafted a, a version just called Phantom. That music is is a lot different, it's a lot like darker and more mm. sinister, and, and uh, I I don't want to say better, but it's definitely <laughs> it's definitely different. And the album was produced by someone named uh, Mecco Minardo, who apparently I, I have not heard it, but he was known for doing a disco version of the main Star Wars theme that had come sure. out shortly Whatever. after the release of the movie. That's, see, it, again, nobody knows what Star Wars is at this point. They're just like, oh, man, uh, it's the late 70s. Let's do a disco version of the Star Wars theme. So Mecco, this producer, he wrote a nine-page letter to George Lucas, and he asked him if he could produce this type of album for the Star Wars saga. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm just imagining a grown man writing a nine-page letter to George Lucas, and then George Lucas gets that along with the other ten-page letters he gets from children. <laughs> It just gets mixed in amongst like, all the yeah, other ones. I, I, Dear Mr. Lucas. I'm like, really the only people I can imagine writing a 10-page uh, letter to George Lucas are like sad, lonely, older nerds like me. <laughs> well, because actually, that's interesting because we already know your loathing of commercial Christmas. Yeah. Ho- uh, Star Wars is such a materialistic commercial property. Combining it with, with Christmas must make you very upset. I did have a, uh, yeah, listening to the couple of songs, I mean, the f- you can already... Right off the bat, without listening to anything, you can, and you hear just from a random person, hey, did you know that there's a Star Wars Christmas album? The very first word that pops in your head is exploitative. Yes. Like, it's not even a question. You're just like, oh, well, they're trying to make money off of that. Um, so, but You're it, saying no one through, through sheer artistic integrity would say, it just seems to make logical sense. The themes of Star Wars and the tale of the birth of Jesus just have so many correlations. The mental gymnastics required to make that viable, which I'm sure we're going to attempt ourselves here in the next hour, it is, it's mind-numbing, possibly mind-destroying. <laughs> uh, I, I can't imagine the amount of editing you'll have to do to make me sound coherent later on, but... It's right off the top. You you listen to it. I I, I heard I, you told me this exists, and I was like, oh well, that's going to be exploitative. But you don't know the meaning of the word exploitative. 
you know, you have in an academic sense, you know what it is. Yes. But until you listen to some of the songs of this album, you don't feel it in your gut like I did when I heard this. Because as you were alluding to earlier, there is almost like this sense of reverence around Star Wars. It's such an Not Christmas, but Star Wars. Yes, yeah, yeah. Christmas, what's Christmas? But Star Wars. Star Wars is where it's at. There's a sense of reverence just because it has such a built-up mythology and it's so um, prevalent in just like the culture of, you know... There, our, there doesn't need know. to... Look, if I can... If I were to just conjure two things off the top of my head that don't need a hard sell... It's Christmas and Star Wars. But here's... You don't need to, like, try to talk someone into Christmas or talk them into Star Wars. But but here's the thing. Like, at the time this album came out, there wasn't necessarily, like I said, this whole built-up universe around it. And the the side effect of that is that the song... The, the lyric writers on this album had no care or interest in preserving the canonical integrity of Star Wars because it didn't exist at that time. So they... They allude to things in our world, here on Earth, that shouldn't exist in the Star Wars universe because the very first thing you see in the very first Star Wars movie ever released was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. We're legally required to do that every time we say... Any any time someone says a long time ago in a galaxy far far away, uh, there's a uh, like a Lucasfilm thing where it, everyone who says that is legally required to then go through the entire opening crawl theme. Yes, yes. Please uh, check the, the show notes arc. to see the opening crawl of, of this episode. Yes, but no. So we're gonna play a little bit more of the t- of the first song, uh, Christmas in the Stars, because the very first set of lyrics kind of lay out this issue with um with the canonical integrity uh, and how this kind of messes with that. C-3PO know about peppermint and chocolate and candy and how does he know about any of this we were look oh look there is there is Star Wars has the most dedicated outside of Trek I would say even yeah Star Wars has the most dedicated fan base of any intellectual property available George Lucas has but to throw out a general idea of something and a thousand nerds will work out how it works yes. without him having to do anything they'll they'll devote hours of their day weeks at a time to try to figure out how the thing he said could work in the universe that they themselves are devising for him yes steve like i literally said so well, george lucas wrote we're going into hyperdrive. And Steve just spent, like I said, before the recording of this podcast, a solid like 15, 20 minutes explaining all of this extended universe theorizing on how hyperdrives actually work. In in that sense, I guess, I mean, I guess it's kind of silly to say, how does C-3PO know about Peppermint? And like, there's no... There's no peppermint in the Star Wars universe. That we know of. That we know of, but I'm sure somewhere listening to this song, some dedicated nerd spent hours trying to figure out what planet has a tree that can also 
be the bark of which could be used to sweeten and spice a drink. Yes. I would love for George Lucas to say that the Christmas in the Stars album is canon, so all these nerds have to try to find some way to justify how everything C-3PO is describing could actually exist in the Star Wars universe. And that's not even getting into the fact that how does he know what Christmas is to begin with? Yeah, this album has a lot of trouble with that. They very, they basically don't really talk about uh, Jesus or... Um, really anything that Christmas is actually about because, I mean, that opens up so many doors. Of... It opens up so many things that I will be forced to think about for years to come. <laughs> yes, Otto, of course it's terrific. But there's more. Everyone will have a cookie. I bought eggs. Why? What is a cookie? I just what is a cookie them. in Star Wars? <laughs> it's something he'll bring extra for, for the Wookiee. Like, ah. Uh, like, the the people who wrote this, they have no idea how many man hours they wasted. Other people's man hours they wasted by throwing this out into the universe and making us concern ourselves with it. I want to see what else he talks about just to piss you off. Body can be here. If we all have marked the date, and if none of them is late, we'll have our greatest of Christmases this year. What date is that, 3PO? Are, are we, we using December twenty fifth? Are we Just using a Gregorian calendar? Is it Gregorian? Is it Julian? Do you know what I'm talking about at all? Is it the twenty fifth of December? Look, in our real person's universe, we don't even know what the real date is. Twenty fifth is just a agreed upon date. Yes. It was probably in the summer or something. But he goes further. Um, in the next song that comes up, it's called Bells, Bells, Bells. Uh, you'll never guess what the song is about. If the question it's like what is indigestion? Not that bells and indigestion are the same. I cannot believe the query that you ask what is Einstein's theory compared to what are bells seems almost tame. What is indigestion? Who is Einstein? R2 really? Why? Why is he outraged that R2-D2 doesn't know who Albert Einstein is? When he shouldn't even know who Albert Einstein is. Yes, Nick, I agree. Thank you. However, um, actually, I won't make this point now because there's a couple of more that uh, in this song, a couple more people that he mentions yes. that we can use to make the point I wanted to make. So well, I, hang on. I will so, hold on. So he, he immediately goes on after that. Oh, you ask me who is H.G. Wells. I will help your education with a simple explanation of... Bells. Bells. Okay, so according to C-3PO, he has to explain bells to R2-D2 first before he can also then go on to explain who H.G. Wells and Albert Einstein are in the Star Wars universe. Now, now your particular bugaboo with this was... And I am quite bugabooed. I know. Was, was, again, if we take a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away at its face value... Yes. The story of Star Wars takes place somewhere... Far away, and it long takes ago, a long time in the past. Yes. So it is both not in this location and not in this frame. It is time literally not in our space time and time. Frame. So the problem with the problem with uh, with your your the issue with with my issue, with your bugaboo. I was about to say the problem with your problem is that um, you you can't quite wrap your mind around how he would know these things. Like, how would I, he? Yeah, like exactly. I was mad about like the candy canes and all that. Um, but what you're forgetting is that Albert, of anyone he could have mentioned, I feel like Albert Einstein and H.G. Wells, of anyone, would have been able to access uh, 
a far, far away place a long, long time ago. Albert Einstein, possibly. H.G. Wells was a writer. H.G. Wells was a writer, but it's not too hard to make the con connection. In fact, a lot of people do. When you use H.G. Wells as a literary character, not necessarily as a person, a lot of times when you use him in a popular culture sense, a lot of people will write him as having had his own time travel experiences or his own time machine. Uh, they can, he's connected with the concept of time travel. So in if I really want to make myself think about this, it's... And why do you? And why do I? It's at least somewhat plausible to think that of anyone, Albert Einstein and H.G. Wells would have the ability to access the Star Wars universe. I'm glad you have no trouble with that. It is very troubling for me. There's that sparkle in your eyes, every color, every size, speaking languages with ease. In a breeze, they're Japanese. You know what Japanese are. Okay, so, okay, so that, a, that, Albert Einstein, H.G. Wells, and the Japanese. Three different types of people that I can foresee being able to travel to the Star Wars universe. Why? <laughs> what about every Japanese person has the ability to travel to a Star Wars universe? Oh, no, not every Japanese person. I mean the concept of Japan as a country. <laughs> Again, utilizing not the actual people themselves, but the notion of the group of people like the notion of these people hg wells and albert einstein and the japanese no that is all a, bullshit in a popular culture context not in a reality yeah. context, obviously <laughs> but in the sense that like oh yeah that makes sense in a pop culture bullshit kind oh, of. oh yeah if we just throw our rules and logic out the window this would make sense i mean look i'm not letting it distract me from the fact that that is a super racist musical cue and it happens all the time. That is one of those things that pops up in... Yeah, it's just like people use it and don't... They use it as a, as a, call, as a call to, to like, blanket Asian people. Yes. Like, random Asian thing. Yes. Anything and, Japanese, Chinese, Korean. Yeah. And it's used, same it was used for so long and with such frequency that now it's just built in. Now people... Like, it's racist. It's a racist oh, yeah. stereotype, but it shows up in a bunch of stuff and nobody thinks twice about it because we're just conditioned to think, oh, yeah, they're talking about the Japanese yeah. or the Chinese or something. I don't know. Yeah. They're, that's all the same people, right? I'm just so glad George Lucas heard this and learned from his mistakes, and that's why in none of the Star Wars prequels did he use any racist Asian stereotypes. Because otherwise... Where are those droid yeah. This is getting out of hand. Now there are two of them. I'm just so glad he didn't put any character like that in the prequels. Not to get distracted from what we just heard here. So, first off, I, I cannot make the same mental leaps and bounds that you can to make H.G. Wells, Albert Einstein, and the Japanese capable of time and space travel. I can't do that. Second off, the musical cue, yes, is very, very troubling. Third off, R2-D2 knows what the Japanese, who, who the Japanese are, yet he doesn't know anything else. Like, now, is it possible that we are just reading way too deep into what was a stupid Christmas album that was just a blatant cash grab? Impossible. Impossible. Thank you. It is it absolutely is, not possible that is, we are doing that. Yeah, it is not. I can't conceive of a universe where you and I could sit here and blather about something that needs no further consideration for over an hour. I, can, I cannot conceive of this. Of all of the universes that exist in every capacity, there is not one that exists in which we are reading this too literally. That's... Uh, bringing bringing it to that actually yes. uh i 
That's really the only way I stop my when I was listening to these. That's the only way I can stop myself from thinking about this way too much. There's there's a there's a theory. I don't know who started it or if it's even a real theory or just a sort of a thing that naturally occurs in fiction. Yeah. But the notion that every idea that the human imagination conjures is not from nothingness. It's not ex nihilo. Um it's sort of like I don't know. I don't, this might just be a crazy thing I thought up too. I don't even know. But the notion—did you think it up, or did it come from somewhere? Exactly. Else? The notion that everything our imaginations can conjure is perhaps some sort of signal, like a weak signal that our brains are able to comprehend on a very basic level, but we're not able to uh, to quantify in any real way. Like when George Lucas thinks of. And what I, yeah. Well, I was going to say, when George Lucas thinks of uh, all of the things that go into making Star Wars, and by all of the things, I mean, like, Toshiro Mifune uh, Kurosawa movies. Yes. And that's a slash. I know they're two different people. Toshiro Mifune is the actor who acts in the Kurosawa movies. Oh, there's just one guy with a very long name. Yeah. No. Um, it's, not, it's not like he took that, and then the, um, uh, the Hero of a Thousand Faces, and all that. He... I, I, I don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I know he, a lot of the stuff he just stole from a bunch of different yeah. places because that's what creative is. Yes, that's, that's what, what art is, folks. That's what art is. Um, but they're not, bear with me here. Let's say the notion is totally original. The theory that that notion actually is, he's picking it up from a thing that is real. Like there is a Star Wars universe and our imaginations and our brains are receiving this sort of weird psychic signal that we believe to be something that we conjure, but is actually a real thing. So in order to stop myself from going insane listening to all this, which I don't think I've succeeded in, having heard myself speak for the last 10 minutes, is the notion that the Star Wars universe is real. And to their mind, in their imagination, our real universe is a fictional universe that they are conjuring. So, like, our fantasy is their reality, and their reality is our fantasy. And so they, all of this stuff that they're talking about doesn't exist on their world. It's a fantasy, and they're singing about it. Just so, like all the stuff that exists in their world is a fantasy that, for some reason, these people decided to sing about. So the Cash Grab Star Wars Christmas album featuring John Bon Jovi is what posits this universe that our reality is someone else's fairy tale. And our fairy tales are someone else's reality. I'm not saying it's the origin of that. I'm just saying it's the only theory I can think of to make myself not go crazy. But so the the, the two songs that kind of I feel like bear the most time discussing. Uh, so yeah, song number one that I want to talk about is called R2-D2, We Wish You a Merry Christmas. Most notable because it features a chorus of children and they have a lead vocalist in this, who is an 18-year-old John Bungiovi. Artu, where are you? Oh, there you are. Well, if you come over here, you'll find a wonderful surprise. You'll have to plug into the central computer to hear what it is. That's right. No, it's not a phase vector. It's your Christmas present. Do we wish you a Merry Christmas? R2D2, we love you. It's true. R2D2, we love you. It's true. 
this song is alluding that R2-D2 plugged into something and is getting this message, but they really leave it up to the imagination as to what R2-D2 is seeing. Do you think it's a bunch? Of, do you think it's like a hologram of a, a bunch of children singing to R2-D2? And where did these children come from? Or it could be that all of reality as we know it is a hologram uh, devised by a higher order of beings that enjoys watching us act out our painful little lives. Or that. I've been broken. <laughs> yes. Look, yes, you, right. seem, you seem like a broken man. There's All right, uh, I'm going to get back to talking about just like the stupid songs on this instead of <laughs> instead of pop. instead of the existential of the crisis existential crisis that is going on that, in your that head that right it now. engenders yeah no uh like for instance this there's no, there's almost no attempt to make this sound at all star warsy no well i mean no hey they they have they have little beeping sounds but uh, i mean apart from that the subject material and a few buzzwords this could really be any generic kids christmas album i pray for the tortured soul of any parent from 1980 who had to listen to this album on repeat. Oh, God. Yeah, sandwiched between, like, you know, Nat King Cole and, like, uh, Frank Sinatra's Christmas albums. If they manage to get through that one Christmas without ending up in jail, they should be spending their lives teaching people the world over how to master themselves. So you are someone who is obviously very interested in the Star Wars universe, but but you're obviously, not, you're obviously like, not... What it is, Nick, is I'm so tired of all of the bullshit I have to consider from the real universe that I live in that I really don't want to think about it as much as I have to. And so oftentimes when I have some time to myself, I enjoy reading about stuff that doesn't exist in the hopes that it sparks something in me to keep going that extra mile to get through my day. <laughs> so yes, while on the train, I, after spending the morning reading news story after news story about how everything that can go wrong is going wrong i like to spend maybe an hour and a half looking into how hyperdrives work in the star wars universe or what the political structure is in the federation and star trek yes or, i i want to read about a functioning political structure or uh, exactly thank you <laughs> thank you that is all i was getting at <laughs> Well, let's listen to a little bit more of R2-D2 We Wish You Merry Christmas because I think the next voice you're about to hear might sound a little familiar. We look up at the winter star We know that's where you are Our chimney's big and round So you can come right down And Tommy if our used to work on the dock we we'll Christmas Eve with you On a steel horse I ride As we pick up so what you just heard was an 18-year-old John Bon Jovi who, this is the first recording his voice was featured on. He was essentially hired as a session musician. Um, he got paid $180 he was, he to do this. He cleaned, he was, he was, he, his job was he was like the janitor from the recording studio. Yeah, I think his uh, older brother worked in yeah. the studio uh, where this was recorded. I'm just, I'm imagining him like sweeping around with a mop and they're like, oh no, our main vocalist for this song is dead. Who do we <laughs> Was killed on the way to the studio. Who do we get to? We we only have this one day to record. Who do we get? You there. You there. Me, sir. Oh, I'm just a humble studio sweep I am. You want me to sing on the the lead song track on this Christmas album for Star Wars? I've heard you humming a tune to yourself as you dispose of the garbage and sweep up the vomit. You know what? Get 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 that get that boy a pair of headphones and put him in front of a mic. At last, more big break. With this album, I'll finally achieve my lifelong dream to be the most famous man in all of Jersey. The snow becomes too deep, just you. 
First of all, I'm pretty sure R2 has an internal heating unit to prevent this very thing from happening. I just don't... And a fire, like a physical fire. There's no... There's no chimneys. Look, there's no chimneys in Star Wars. There's no chimneys that in we Star Wars. Of. No, no. I'm going to put the so you're saying you're saying this. there's lollipops. You're saying there's HG Wells. There's the Japanese. But there's no fireplaces. That's just I'm insanity. I'm putting my foot down. You're putting, there's no fire... No, that's not true. Does, doesn't Yoda's hut have... Uh, chimney? Son of a bitch! Ha <laughs> ha! <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that was so satisfying. God damn it. All, all of that time you spent reading all of that extended universe Star Wars, and yet I'm the one who remembered that Yoda's hut has a chimney. All right, you win this round. <laughs> I'm going to give this to you. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, I want... you. Look, I know if I don't give this to you, you kill yourself. Yes. So I'm going to give this to you. Thank you. Yes. You may have won the battle, but I won the Star War. Spreading Christmas cheer. Be easy with you here. We'll dance and sing and play. From Christmas Eve to Christmas Day. First off, that's not a very long period of time. Christmas no, Eve to Christmas Day is a couple of hours. Second off, how does R2 dance? I, I, I mean, I've seen him wobble around a no, little bit. No, no. We, uh, how does he dance? Why, you merely have to watch... The final scene of Return of the Jedi, Nick, to see oh, when how he's R2, with the Ewoks? when he dances with Ewoks. But aren't they like shaking him around? No, he's doing it himself. He's dancing with them. Is he? Yes. See, two can play at this game. Hmm. Okay. I'll give you that one. Yeah. But I'm gonna rewatch Return of the Jedi, and there will be an addendum at the beginning of the next episode, uh, if that is in fact not. True. I'm going home and rewatching all three of these movies. <laughs> Just, just because. To, just to cleanse your palate. Just to, I need it. I just need it. And then uh, maybe, maybe Force Awakens. We'll see. <laughs> uh, but the last song we want to talk about from this album, and I would recommend, listen to the whole thing. It, it is very interesting because in addition to everything that we've been talking about that exists in this, uh, in the universe that this album uh, posits, uh, there's also a character named S. Claus who uh, shows up periodically throughout, uh, who is uh, Santa's son, I believe the whole look the story. This believe it or not, this is a concept album. Listeners, I don't know if it you can kind believe of that. It is actually it's there a is concept a, there's album. There's a thread. There's a story. It's the Who's Tommy. <laughs> it's like the Who's Tommy, but shitty, and it doesn't need to exist. <laughs> Who's Tommy, but shitty. Um, it it features it. It's like there's like a droid factory where robots make toys year yes. round for the son of Santa. Which sounds like Son of Sam. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so I thought you were gonna say it first. The, if you look at the, if you look up the the album art for it, it looks like R two D two and C three PO. I'm losing my, I'm losing my mental. There's very yeah, so little, much for keeping yourself sane. Yeah, there's very little like electrical impulses being shared in between my nerve endings right now. It's slowing down. Um, it, the Christmas album. Can get cover, yeah, the album the album cover art looks like C three PO and R two are holding Santa hostage. <laughs> That's not Santa, that's S-Claus. Sorry, S-Claus. Like, he's sitting in front of this fireplace, and it just looks like... Look it up, because it looks like he is being held against his will. By, I don't know. It looks like he's just kind of warming himself by the fire. I, I don't know, man. Just you, The audience can look it up and judge yeah, it judge himself. for yourself. But you couldn't even come up with a Star Wars name for Santa, or the son of Santa, even. Like, so, like something bullshit like Salo Calfran. Oh, yeah. Or... Sang Hakor, core spelled with two hours. Two R's, by yes, the way. K-R-R. Two R's. Like, nope, S Claus. Stop it. Slap it on the cover art. We're done here for the day. 
we've expanded all of our mental faculties writing this album. We we should have thought of that to begin with, but it's I gotta go home. But so the the toy making droids that uh, Stephen alluded to uh, play a central theme in the in the the one song. This song was released as a single, and I think made it to number sixty something on the Billboard two hundred, like right when it came out. Good. The song is good. Called, I'm glad. <laughs> they had to have some success. The song is called. What can you get a Wookiee for Christmas, parentheses, when he already owns a comb? It goes a little bit like this. Let me see. We have a scarf for Skywalker, right? Yes. And perfume for the princess? Yes. What about Han Solo? I don't think Han Solo needs anything now. No, son. Hot son. God damn it. Please cut out all the parts where I'm losing my mind. <laughs> That's the entire episode. I know, but like literally losing my mind. Yeah. Uh, Han Solo doesn't get Christmas presents, guys. Han Solo gets coal. Han Solo has not been on the nice list for a very long time. Like, remember in A New Hope where he just, like, out of nowhere shoots Greedo? Remember how callous that seemed at the time? And we, we uh, he got away with it because Greedo's a weird alien bug creature and yes. he's designed to evoke feelings of disgust from people. He doesn't get a present from S. Claus. He gets a lump of coal or whatever. Whatever the equivalent Whatever is. synthetic diamond bullshit that I don't know. Look, we can all barely muster the imagination to attempt to explain how the real Santa in our real universe makes it to all the homes on one planet in one night. How the hell do they expect us to believe that a Star Wars Santa does the same with a whole galaxy? With a goddamn hyperdrive. No, even with a class 0.5 hyperdrive, it'd take at least a couple of days to go from one end to the other of the galaxy. And that's without stopping. And a 0.5 class hyperdrive is the fastest available. And that's not even available. You have, There's all sorts of aftermarket modification you have to make to a... To a... To a, to a class 1 hyperdrive, Nick. Okay. And that's only been achieved by a couple of people, like Han Solo and Talon Card. So you're saying even if S. Claus is traveling throughout the universe at the speed of light, he won't be able to get all over the galaxy in time? Okay, first of all, he's not traveling at the speed of light. He is traveling into an alternate dimension wherein space and Jesus time Christ. move at a different speed to normal space. That's what a hyperdrive is. Okay. I don't know why I, you brought that up if you didn't want me to sit here and explain how hyperdrive. No, work. apparently I just didn't listen to your previous lecture hard enough. I no. wasn't taking notes. So first of all, look if you're gonna try, if you're gonna try to, gonna try to come at the master, you better bring something bigger than a than, than a than a microphone, right? <laughs> okay, I'll keep that in mind. If you come, if you come at the boss, you best not miss. All right, so Han Solo is not getting anything for Christmas, but what about Wookiees? What do they get? That leaves one big problem. Wookiees. Couldn't we get him a comb? He gave him a comb last year. Can you get a Wookiee for Christmas? No droids sound like this. Nothing sounds like this in Star Wars. But yet you have not answered the question. What does one get a Wookiee for Christmas? I don't know. He's, a bowcaster? He seems to... He already has one of those. He seems to enjoy playing holographic chess. He does. Perhaps get him uh, an updated board, like a oh. newfangled board. Perhaps a new a new fancy bandolier <laughs> to hold his ammo clips? Which, yeah. 
Is that right, for the bowcaster? Because that it seems is, to have like lasers. No, it is for the bowcaster. They're lasers, but they actually do have ammo in the sense that they are powered by uh, a small reactor in each blaster, uh, exciting a, uh, a volatile gas. Those clips oh. contain a, a like a super condensed gas that they uh, they apply like energy to, and it excites the gas, which creates an even larger explosion of energy, sort of like an internal combustion engine. Uh, I just want the listening audience to know, Steve is not looking at notes while he's telling me all this. This is just in his head. Yeah. He just happens to know yeah. at any moment how a bowcaster works from Star Wars. So really, the, no, that's all blaster technology works like that. Oh, yeah, sorry, dumb fucking me. And actually, uh, lightsabers, uh, the original lightsabers from thousands of years before, uh, worked on a kind of frozen blaster technology where they... It does. You same... tried blasters. Try frozen blasters. Exactly. It does the same thing, but it stops short. Like okay. it doesn't. Doesn't. It excites the gas, and then it creates a uh, a blast of energy. But then it somehow corrals that energy into a short. Otherwise, every lightsaber would be like a mile long. Exactly. <laughs> so that was kind of blasters came first, and the origins of lightsabers are, are indebted to them. But those clips do contain uh, a uh, a super condensed, hyper excitable gas that can be considered ammo. Steve, the only thing super short and hyper excitable is you right now when you talk about this technology. I am very tall, first of all. <laughs> Unless you mean short in the sense of my temperament, in which case you're spot on. I wasn't sure which I was going for, but Steve has clarified for both uh, for everyone listening. That's what I'm here for. All right, here's a little bit more. Why are those the first two things that would occur to you? He doesn't need a tie clip. You literally could have... Because put... he's naked. He's naked all the time, Nick. The big joke for this whole song is Chewbacca is naked all the time. Why can't you get a wooden for Christmas when he already owns a home? It's really a problem. All right, I'm going to... It's really a problem. Mm, it's really a problem. All right, hang on. Here's a little bit more. Stop the presses. I was with you up until the point. Again, he's naked. We get it. What the hell is exactly preventing Chewbacca from wearing a hat? Who says he can't wear a hat? I watch these movies pretty extensively, and I don't remember getting even a context clue as to Chewie's stance on haberdashery. I mean, are, are they coming from the angle of, like, it's one of those things where, like, the theory that Han Solo doesn't actually know what Chewbacca is saying... And he's just putting words in his mouth. Like Chewie speaks and Han just says, boy, you said it, Chewie. Like he's agreeing with him, but Chewie was really saying stuff like, he was like yelling to him. No, damn it. I said Luke needs to go find Yoda. I know him. We fought in a war together. You can say that again, Chewie. He's still alive. For Christ's sakes, it's only been 19 years. How do all of you not know who Yoda is? Stop listening to this lying mercenary I roll with. Also, I love hats. Or as we heard it. Yeah. Han Solo doesn't know what he's saying. Yeah, Han <laughs> That would be the best twist in Star Wars. Han, Han so Solo never understood a single Han word Han Solo Chewie doesn't saying. know what Chewie's saying, and C-3PO doesn't know what, you, what R2 is saying. Because if they did, they would know that the whole trilogy, R2 and Chewbacca are just yelling about, Oh my god! Just send him to Yoda. He's still alive. We know that guy. I know who your parents are. We dropped are. him off at Dagobah. 
I know you are too. I know who your parents are. Tell him who his parents are, 3PO. I quite disagree with you, R2. No, fuck you, you gold-plated asshole. Tell him who his fucking parents are. But if this album is canon, then you know someone somewhere had to write, like, a 10-series a Star Wars novelization discussing why Chewbacca would never wear a hat. Because it, it needs an explanation. If, if, if George Lucas or anyone by extension has, has just thrown it out there, someone has to justify it. And I mean, naked people can wear hats, Nick. Even if you live your whole life naked, you can appreciate a fine hat. So this is hilarious, given what you just said. Let's give him love and understanding. He Get needs <laughs> it, because nobody knows what the hell he's saying. Because if they did this movie, tro that movie trilogy would have been one film long. It would have been Chewie screaming over and over, Go to Yoda! All the entire... Look, either that, or everyone in Luke's life is lying to him that whole time. Obi-Wan's lying to him, R2's lying to him. Even if it's a lie by omission, they're still lying yeah, to him. Yeah, there, there's some huge information that they have just chosen not to divulge. Look, this is not new stuff. I am not the first person to think of this. And I still demand answers. That's what you get, a okay, I want you to pause this yes. and tell me exactly how much longer is left in this song. Uh, we have almost two minutes left. Yeah, so this song is like a little more than a third over. And we've already figured out we've what... already figured out what to give him. Yeah. What the hell is the rest of this song? First of all, you already gave up and decided on a bullshit Christmas gift of love and understanding. And I mean bullshit in the context of if you're going to buy into commercial Christmas, at least buy in and get something And literally for buy something. Don't be like, oh, I made you this macaroni thing that says that I love you. Uh, all right. I thought we were all buying each other like toys and shit. I thought that was what we all agreed on. But if you want to do abandoned commercial Christmas this year, I would have liked to have known that before I spent $300. 300 Republic credits. Republic credits on a Lego set. That's right. Lego also exists. <laughs> Of course, I mean, I nothing would surprise me at this point. But, yeah, when they say love and understanding, at first, like, when I first heard I thought in the context of, like, oh, he's misunderstood, but I didn't really take it in a literal sense, which, like, oh, yeah, actually, Chewbacca is just literally misunderstood. As in, nobody understands what he's saying. Yeah. And if they could actually give him the gift of understanding, then maybe a lot fewer people would have died in this series. Well, no, probably not, because this is an entire universe predicated on war. <laughs> That's true. That's it's true. called Star Wars. It is kind of funny. Like, like the, the cover artwork, it's like this very Christmassy font. It says Christmas in the stars. And then you almost don't even factor it in because you've seen the title Star Wars so often. But Star Wars Christmas album. You're having war and Christmas in the same album. Which I'm sure won't influence your decision on what the episode title for this one will be. <laughs> Certainly not the Star War on Christmas. But there's, oh, I mean, we, we, we could keep figuring out what to give a Wookiee for Christmas, but there's really, like, the whole album chugs along in a similar way. It's, it, it's, uh, it's quote-unquote comic bits with robots, 
It is uh, C-3PO doing more anachronistic descriptions of things that shouldn't exist in the Star Wars universe. And then at the end, S-Claus does appear and try to attempt to explain what Christmas is. But it's the last song on the Wait, album. so it's the last song on the album. So C-3PO has just been talking out his ass the whole time. He has. He has. Well, he's a, he, I mean, that that's that's uh, well, that's what staying he does. true with this character. I was exactly. going to say, it is what he does. Yeah, so so that's the, that's the closest thing to like being canonical he with is, the rest he of Star is, Wars. He is fluent in over three million forms of talking out of his ass. Yeah, three million forms of bullshit. But l- I was just shocked that, well, I, I was surprised that I had never heard of this. I was shocked that you had never heard of this. Gosh, it's it's almost as if some other unrelated Star Wars holiday thing existed that forced me to wipe the concept of a Christmas Star Wars combination from my brain forever and ever. Amen. And not even ever pursue researching it. No, no. But that's a little bit of Christmas in the stars. And this album is insanely hard to find. Like, all the songs As God are, intended. Yes, yes, there's a reason for that. All the songs are on YouTube. You can listen to them there, but if you want to uh, download it, it's not on iTunes, it's not on Spotify, it's not anywhere. Um, and why would you want to download it? Oh, oh, I, have you heard this? I just did. Do you want to hear it again? I don't really. I mean, if what can you get a Wookiee for Christmas if he already owns a comb doesn't become a staple of your holiday playlists, then... You are not celebrating Christmas properly. Nobody's celebrating Christmas properly, That's Nick. True. That's the whole point I'm making this entire month you've decided to subject me to these horrors. Um, but, like, physical copies of the album I've seen on sale at eBay, on eBay for, like, up to $50. So if you really want to get a physical copy of this, uh, you got to hunt for it. Tell you what, instead of spending $50 on that, why don't you send it directly to me? Because I guarantee... I can make that $50 do something more worthwhile than you owning this. Even if I didn't do anything with the $50 and I just sat on it, I put it in a savings account and it accrued one cent every 10 years, you would still get way more out of it than if you spent it on this goddamn piece of shit. I disagree 1,000%. But that is Christmas in the Stars. Check it out at your own discretion. Um, At your own risk. But uh, thank you very much for listening as we continue to chug along through the month of December, covering all sorts of Christmas classics. And uh, man, I can't wait until we are no longer shoehorned into this. And we can go back to just talking about random stuff again. You can follow us on Facebook. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you choose to listen to your podcasts. And uh, and once again, I just kind of wanted to say thank you very much for listening. Like, we're able to see uh, where people are listening to our podcast and how many people. And we have listeners in just about every single state here in the United States. We have listeners overseas. And we just want to say thank you very much for listening. We, we, Danke schön. Uh, gracias. Um, arigato. Arigato. We've had a few people in Japan listen to yeah. our podcast. Um, I don't know the Portuguese. Uh, it's probably. Obrigado. Obrigado. I hope that is it, and you are not just making me sound like racist. And, no, it um, actually is. Uncouth? It. Okay. Um, but, like, we're aware of how many of you are out there, but we don't know who you are. So if you do... Give us your name, address. <laughs> yes, give Social us all of your security number if you live in America. And the security code on your credit card. Uh, but, no, if seriously, if you want to reach out, if you have a, a bad song idea, like... We have, we have an endless list of songs that we can discuss here, but if you have something that you're aware of that you want to let us know that you think would be a good subject for an episode, please contact us. You can uh, email us at thesongtopsyreport at gmail.com. You can send us a Facebook message, a Twitter uh, DM. We, like, we are the people who are there on... Uh, like, if you message anything on the Songtops Report, we are the people who will contact you and write you back. 
And and uh, we we have gotten a couple of things, and we we will take care of them once we're done yes, with this th- bullshit those of holiday. You, yes, those of you who have suggested things, uh, we have heard them. Uh, we want to get like uh, enough. We'll get around to it. No, we want to get enough to do like a user submitted uh, episode where we cover a few songs from uh, listeners. So please let us know what you want to have us discuss. Uh, and you can contact me personally at uh, Nick Brigadier on Twitter, uh, Mr. Steve Trollinger. You can contact, you could direct message me at your Mantrolo uh, on Twitter, uh, com. I'm not even going to say eventually anymore. I'm just going to act like it exists. And then you can figure out, depending on when you listen to this, if it's true or not. <laughs> at some point, maybe it will be. Maybe once this holiday is over with, I can actually devote some time to it. Um, and I guess eventually I'll be forced to get an Instagram account. You'll follow me on that. <laughs> you will follow me on that. You don't have a choice. Um, and unfortunately, uh, Mike Russell could not be here. We wish him well. But I, I texted him and I said, is there anything you want to um, add to uh, the end of the podcast? And he says, uh, um, shit, man, just send my Merry Christmases and to send comments, feedback, and what our viewers would get a Wookiee for Christmas or any other Star Wars character. I get Ray a boyfriend, dot, 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 named Mike Russell. And they sent a second text saying, okay, maybe not that last part. I don't think he wanted you to say both parts of that, or even anything from that at all. <laughs> Sounds like that was a personal message he sent to you. I just tell it like it is. But yes, and uh, I guess see Star Wars The Last Jedi when it comes out. Uh, they're not paying me anything. Why are we plugging Star Wars The Last Jedi? Because I am fascinated to see if Christmas in the Stars ties in to The Last like, Jedi. Like, there's anybody in this country, or in other countries, that is not at least remotely aware there's a new Star Wars movie coming out. I am going to be keeping my eyes peeled for cookies, for peppermints, for chimneys, for mentions of Albert Einstein, because I, uh, this, for, since 1980, this album has just been waiting for another part of the Star Wars universe to make it true and canonical and tie in together, and I think that The Last Jedi is going to do it. Maybe the, maybe in a, maybe a post-credit stinger. (laughs) We can only hope. Uh, but thank it's you. Just very- I, Albert Einstein. <laughs> Albert Einstein, the true last Jedi. Oh, God. <laughs> thank you very much for listening. I'm Nick Brigadier. And for once, I'm just going to say I'm Steve Trollinger. <laughs> and we will see you next week. Take care.